Thank you for bringing to us good news of, of comfort and joy, even great joy. And we thank you that this news delivered to the shepherds has come to us as well. And we ask that as we hear the reading and preaching of your word, that you would allow us to hear with, with open ears, ears that are ready to receive and know that you are God and that you have brought a salvation into your world that indeed is saving, um, that lifts us up and brings us peace. Lord, we ask that you would help us to be submissive to your word, to stand ready to hear and to receive, uh, to treasure and enjoy. Lord, we ask that you would bless your word to us, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please remain standing if you're able, and let's turn our attention to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. I'll be reading verses 1 through 21. Let's hear God's word this morning. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinus was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people, all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the, with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that, was told, that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Praise be to God. You may be seated. 
Can you imagine being out in the field, a regular cold night, and then all of a sudden an angel appears? Can you imagine after seeing that angel and hearing a word, a great multitude of the heavenly hosts appearing and singing? What an amazing, amazing thing. And bringing on top of that really, really good news, good news of great joy, um, they, they, they say. News has a way of affecting us. A lot of times when somebody says, I have news, the first thing we want to know is, is it good or bad? <laughs> right? Or if somebody says, I have two pieces of good news, right? we say, well, is it good or bad? Tell me the bad news first or the good news first. Right? This news, when we receive news, it has a way of affecting us, of changing us. Several years ago when we were looking for a new home and having trouble finding one, one day we found one that became our current home. And as soon as we realized that this is the place we would want to live, there was a lot of talk, right? Thinking about how it would happen, what it would like to be, what it would be like to, to live there. And once the home was actually secured, even more, right? Uh, we were thinking about painting and who's going to sleep in what room and all of these things, our, our lives and thinking about our lives, these, these things changed before we ever moved into the home. Just the news that we would have this place uh, to live. We go through a lot of life like this. We receive these, these, this information um, sometimes very external or far away from us that still impacts us and sometimes very close. Sometimes they may be things on the other side of the world or very close to home. Getting engaged, getting a new pet, a death in the family, a diagnosis of a health problem. These things, all of a sudden they change us and they change not only our planning but our thinking as well. Our decision-making, what we spend our time on, how we, make, how we um, prioritize things, how we make decisions, and, and all the rest. Well, today, what we have in our text is God delivering to us the biggest news that you will ever receive. And I don't mean that in any kind of hyperbolic way. It really is the biggest news that you will ever receive. Some of these other things that I mentioned, getting married, uh, a new pet, a death in the family, these kind of things, those are very big, but they're not as big as this. I'll explain why. When we receive this news, the biggest news that you or anyone will ever receive, it's worth thinking about how do you respond to that, how we ought to respond to that, and if we are responding to that well. And I want to pay attention particularly to Mary's response and the shepherd's response this morning. We read in, in verse 19 that Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. We read that the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Before we think about those reactions, let's first think about the word itself. What is it that they heard? What is it the news that they heard? What is, it the, what is the news that you just heard this morning? Because it's the same, right? Like Mary, like the shepherds, um, we have received 
a word this morning. They're different from us, of course. Um, They are uh, many centuries ago. Um, They are in a different time and in a different place. But we read in this text exactly what those shepherds heard. And it's interesting, in a way, we're very similar to Mary in this way. Mary wasn't in the fields, right? Mary was in Bethlehem. Mary wasn't out with the shepherds and Joseph with her out with the shepherds. Um, No, the angel came to these shepherds, revealed that message, then the shepherds went to Mary and Joseph and said, this is what we just heard. This is, by the way, how the gospel always spreads. God tells it, he reveals it, he reveals this good news to someone, and then that someone just takes what they have and tells it to another person. Over and over throughout the scriptures and in your own lives, you've seen that happen that way. Now, it's worth noting that any word from God is no small thing. Before we consider the message itself, just park on that for a second. It is a word from God that these angels deliver that the shepherds receive and then share with Mary and Joseph, and now is recorded by Luke for us. A word from God. Now, people go through all kinds of gyrations to get God's word, to know and have some sort of understanding of something beyond this world, to have access to the spiritual realm a higher power, that force that is around us, that people feel and recognize that is God. Witchcraft and sorcery, prayer walks and vision quests, decoding ancient documents, paying lots of money to people on TV, navel-gazing, looking deep into our souls to try to catch some sort of glimpse of the divine. Ultimately, all these places are like looking into a well. You look down and it's just dark, dark, dark. And we strive and we look and we try. We try so hard. But that's not what these shepherds did. They're just watching their sheep. They're just out there doing nothing to get access to God. They're not climbing up to heaven. They're not doing some um, magical thing. They're just doing their job. And the Lord reveals himself to them. He just reveals himself. And in this great way, the Lord sends his angel and the angel appears. We read in verse 9, the angel appeared to them, the glory of the Lord shone around They were filled with great fear of receiving this message. That's the first reaction we see in coming into into close contact with the glory of the Lord. They don't say, oh, that's kind of interesting. They're filled with great fear, and so much so that the angel has to tell them, fear not. And he gives them a reason why. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. What's really remarkable is that this message that they received is the same message that we have received as well. This message that they heard out there in the field is exactly the same message that you've heard 
plainly, openly, simply. So many people go on these treasure hunts, right, to find God and to hear his word, and he's just giving it to you. He's throwing it out to you. Just take it and receive it. It's a marvelous thing, and it ought to be treasured, and, and, and we should be thankful for it. Now, in hearing the word of God, what kind of word is it? I want to say two things. First, it is a world-changing word, a world-changing word. Notice the type of news that comes. First of all, it's good news. It's not bad news. Also, it's a promise. It's not a command. God doesn't come like he does on Mount Sinai and give ten commandments. Instead, he comes and he gives a promise. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. This is a different word than the word that was delivered to the people when he brought them out of Egypt. When God revealed his word there on Mount Sinai, everything was about fear. The people were trembling and shaking. When Moses came down from the mountain, his face shining with the glory of God, they said, put a veil over it. The Lord said, touch this mountain and you will die. That's not what's happening here. The Lord has revealed his law. He's condemned the whole world by it. Now he is revealing his gospel. He's revealing the promise that he will save us from our sins. He will save us from our disobedience to that law that he commanded. Fear not. For I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. This is world-changing news. It is going to be for all people, no matter what place they are in, where they come from, what their background or their family is. It's for the whole world. And that news in particular concerns this birth announcement the birth of a child, a child that has already been promised multiple times in the Old Testament and then to Mary and now to these shepherds here. A very particular child, a very particular child in which prophecies and expectations throughout the whole history of the world are now being fulfilled. This is why I say this is the biggest, greatest news that anyone will ever hear. Right? Because no, nothing else in the world comes even close to being that thing to which everything in history was pointing. Right? Sometimes we have news events right, in our news cycles where we're expecting something, right? Um, you know, maybe elections, for example. We, we hear of this thing and that thing, and then there's primaries, and then there's this and there's that, all leading to the great day when there is the election, and then you have the results. Or maybe it's something else. Maybe it's a great winter storm that is coming. Um, not here yet, uh, but in other places, right? This, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, and then it happens, right? These, these big events where there's lots of anticipation. Doesn't compare to this. Ever since the first man and the first woman were here on earth, this expectation, or people have been expecting this, when God promised to Eve that he would save them, that he would give her a son who would crush the head of the serpent, 
crush the head of the evil one, that he would save them and bring life and living, that she would be the mother of living, even after being promised death because of their disobedience. That good word that was promised there way, way back in Genesis and was repeated and and opened up in various ways over and over and over again throughout the Bible, now it's here. The time of fulfillment is at hand. This one born of a woman, Paul says, born under the law, who is fulfilling all things and at that perfect time. Just a couple prophecies to point you to. Isaiah 9, for example. Isaiah 9, verse 7, says this. Of the increase of his government and of his peace, and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And another passage from Micah, Micah chapter 5 verse 2. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, You who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient of days. These prophecies, a long, long, long time ago, are being fulfilled here in this moment. Prophecies which aren't just some random fact about where he might be born but prophecies that are caught up in all of the history of God's redemption. Prophecies that are a part of the saving of his people from their sins and even the whole world. Prophecies which then are are retold and given to Mary. Remember, in Luke chapter 1, we read that he he comes to Mary and he, he tells her what is going to happen. He explains to her and says, this is verse 31, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Another prophecy. And then Mary responds to the angel and says, How will this be? Since I am a virgin, the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. God becoming man. There's no bigger news than that. God becoming man to fulfill what man failed to fill, fulfill in the very beginning. God becoming man to save us from our sins, to conquer, the de- to conquer the devil, to conquer death, so that we might enjoy a resurrection from the dead and be citizens of an eternal heavenly kingdom with the Lord Jesus as the head of it all. There's no bigger news than that. And here, the angel, in our, back in our passage in chapter 2, he says that these things are fulfilled. Unto you, born this day in the city of David, Bethlehem, 
a Savior who is Christ, which is to say, who is the Messiah, the Anointed One, the Lord. He identifies this child as God and as the one who had been prophesied and expected for a long, long time. And it all happens. Mary doesn't wait nine months and then go, well, I guess it didn't work out. No, she conceives a child, though a virgin, bears a child, wraps him in actual cloths, lays him in an actual manger. This word goes to these shepherds who then come, and in some ways, another prophecy, right? You will go to Bethlehem and you're going to see this. Another sign. God just keeps confirming and confirming and confirming. It's news that we can rely on. It's news that we can believe in. We don't have to doubt it and wonder if it's true because God keeps saying it over and over and fulfilling it and bringing it to fulfillment over and over and over. This is world-changing news. Listen to one other verse here in uh, Galatians 4.4, which I I kind of paraphrased earlier, but I'd like to read it uh, exactly. Galatians 4.4, Paul says, but when the fullness of time had come, I kind of think about pregnancy with that image, the fullness of time, right? Like time itself is just ready to give forth to the thing that time is destined to do. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Why? To redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And that brings us to this second point about this word. It's not just a world-changing, right, cosmic moment, this single moment in time, in the fullness of time, at this huge meta level. But it affects us deeply and individually, every single one of us, for better or for worse. It affects us all. Paul says that he came for the redemption of sons so that we might receive adoption as the children of God. This is life-changing. God comes in the world not just to do this thing out there somewhere, but to change our hearts, to remove our idols, and to do it for everyone, from kings like the magi who come to shepherds out in the field. Good news of great joy for the world. And in people like Paul, we see that great change. People who, before knowing Jesus, before trusting Jesus, were were hard at work, living their lives, trying to do their best, but came to understand that their best wasn't even close. That our best is never good enough. That as I said earlier, when Jesus comes into the world, he comes not to make good people a little bit better. To just increase our program of of works and of righteousness. He comes to save us from our sins. 
If you know yourself as a sinner, if you know yourself as a person whose body gets sick and will one day die, if you know yourself as a person who is in a world that is backwards and twisted and broken and crooked, that fails all the time and is full of vanity, then you are a person who is eligible for salvation. You are a person who ought to put your faith in the one who is the Savior of the world, the Lord of the universe, and who has come to bring peace. Peace in the world, peace in our hearts. When Jesus rules in us, when Jesus um, does his work, he subdues us to himself. He stops the clamor and the noise. He brings about healing, sanctification, growth in righteousness, love. This is what God does. This is what he has done and he is now doing as this word from the shepherds continues to travel throughout the world. A word that you have heard, a word that you can share just as easily as they did. You received exactly what they received this morning. You can go tell somebody exactly as they said uh, to Mary. This is what happened. This is what I heard. As simple as that. That's one of the reactions that we can have. And there are others that are, that are worthy as well. And I want to think about that now as we close when you receive the greatest and best news that has ever happened in the history of the world and, in your, and, and will ever happen in your whole life, what do you do with that? Well, there's lots of options, and we can look around in our own hearts and our lives and sort of catalog different kinds of reactions. Some people hate it. Herod we will uh, read as we continue, not right now, but if you continue to reading on, he goes and murders a bunch of children as a result of this news. That's how some people react, wanting to hold on to their own kingdoms, whether they are big like his or, or very small like many of ours, in our own personal lives and the things we want to do and our projects and our way and the things we love and want to hang on to. And we say, no, I want my life to be my own and not his. We rebel and we fight and we do awful, awful things. Other people are um, just neglectful. And it may seem better in a way, right? Just neglecting the news instead of uh, uh, fighting against it. But it ends in basically the same result. It's a kind of passive-aggressive rebellion, I guess. Uh, a rebellion that says, I don't really care. Not for me. Not really important. How you say to the angel of the Lord and a multitude of heavens that is causing the shepherds to quake, to shake with fear, and go about proclaiming the good news of God to stand there in the field with them and say, yeah, I, I got things to do. But we do do that sometimes. We get caught up in our own lives. And, but these are our own lives. This is our life. 
We get caught up in distractions and our idols and our desires and the things that, that say, no, I'm more important right now. There's a third option, and we see it in Mary. We see it in the shepherds. Let's focus on Mary as we begin to close. So we read in verse 19 that she treasures up all these things and ponders them in her heart. What does it mean to treasure something? What does it mean to treasure a promise, to treasure this news? How do you treasure news? Well, you hold it close. You protect it. You think about it. You make sure that you understand it perfectly and that no one would steal it from you. As we read earlier, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking one to devour. The scriptures tell us he's a liar from the beginning. How will the devil steal good news from you or try to? By lying to you. By telling you it's not really good or it's not really important. By telling you that maybe it didn't really happen or acceding all kinds of doubt. Treasuring it means protecting it, holding close. It, it also means sacrificing for it, being willing to, to give up really everything for the sake of that word. Rather than fighting against it or neglecting it, we should hold it close to us in our hearts. We should prioritize it and consider it often. Which leads to the second thing Mary does. She ponders it in her heart. She considers its implications. She thinks about what it means for everything else, what resolutions perhaps, or what actions that she or others might commit themselves to in light of it. Just like the example of a, a house or a storm, once you receive the news, you think, okay, what difference does this make? If I know that a big storm is coming and is going to, going to barrel down and affect these things, you're going to spend time, right? You're going to ponder that. Think about it. Think about its, its implications. Another word for this is meditation. Meditation is that internal work of turning something over and over and over. Now, you all know what meditation is. You all know what pondering is, just as I do, because we do it all the time. Maybe for the last few weeks, you've been thinking about something you really, really want to see under that tree. And you think about it over and over again, and you wonder what it's going to be like and look like, and if it's going to be there, and what you're going to do with it when you get it. That's meditation. That's pondering. Or maybe there's been something you've been worried about. Something in your life that you've been anxious about and you keep turning it over and over and going, what's going to happen? How am I going to do that? What's going to work? When is it going to happen? This internal action that we do, pondering, meditation, it, 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 um, it can go good and bad directions, Right? It can be something that's debilitating and crushing if we fix our hearts and our minds on something that is consuming us. Sometimes we ponder and meditate on the worst things, like sin or how to commit a sin. Proverbs speaks about the one who lays in his bed trying to figure out how he's going to do an evil thing. 
That's meditation. That's pondering. That's what we ought not to do in response to this good news. Instead, the good news ought to replace everything and become number one and shed its life on, on everything else. If you hear that a big storm is coming, for example, or if you hear that, let's, let's use a more positive example. Let's say you, uh, your uh, 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 long-lost uncle comes and tells you that for Christmas you're going to be getting $3 million. That might change the way that you're worried about spending on a toothbrush, Right? The concerns that you have about this thing or that thing all of a sudden go, oh, well, it's fine. We got that three million coming. We're going to be fine. Right? It sort of sheds this light on everything else. It affects these other decisions. Well, this is not just monetary. This good news of great joy about Jesus is everything, financial, emotional, spiritual, relationships, our communion with God, our, our relationship with the world, everything comes under this, which means there's a lot to ponder. There's a lot to meditate on. Think about it for a moment. Ponder it for a moment with me. Ask yourself, what might Mary have pondered in her heart in light of this news, the good news about Jesus? What could she have been thinking about? She could have thought about the attributes of God What does this have to say about God? Knowing that God has just done this, announced this in this particular way, has brought forth this child in me, what does that tell me about him? What implications does that have for what I believe about him? Does it have anything to say about his goodness or his graciousness or his omnipotence or his faithfulness? Does it have anything to say about how we understand previous promises. Indeed, Mary could spend the rest of her life with only this information, going back through all of the Old Testament and thinking about all of it in light of this moment. And that would be enough. (laughs) She could be busy with that for the rest of her life, just, just doing that. How does each and every book of the Bible, all these promises and all these words lead up to this moment and this point? How do they connect? What is God doing? She could ponder the needs, the needs that she will have in light of this promise. Let's think really specifically about Mary. Imagine you were her. How are you going to raise this child? There's a lot of questions around that. At least I would have. What are you going to say? Most parents think about this, right, with their children. What books are we going to buy? What toys are we going to get? Where are they going to sleep? All of these things. What if you knew that your child was the savior of the world? How are you going to do that as a parent? (laughs) I think one thing that she might have considered is to pray a lot and trust God for help. He is the one, after all, who had given her this child. He is the one who had given her this promise. He is the one that would be faithful to help her to do her work. To pray prayers of 
for, of, of, of petition to the Lord. Lord, please help me. Give me the strength. Give me the wisdom. Help me to know how to distinguish lies from the truth. Help me to have opportunities to, to, um, to protect the truth, to live for the truth. I wonder how Mary pondered these things when she saw her son and the Savior on the cross. Good news of great joy? This was a time when a lot of people scattered. Many of, all of the Lord's um, future apostles leaving, doubting, running. It was a hard time. Satan would no doubt capitalize on these moments. In his death, what then? Is this really good news? Is he the savior of the world? Pondering these things and and internalizing them and questioning, not questioning, um, questioning them in the sense of trying to understand them. And sometimes, you know, I think that she, like all of us do when we consider the things of the Lord, it doesn't mean we're always going to come to an answer, is it? Some of these things we're going to say, I don't know how to be a good parent. I don't know what this crucifixion means. I don't know how to understand this death. At least not yet. Sometimes the Lord reveals things in time. Sometimes the Lord shows us And makes us depend, I want to say, makes us depend on him. Makes us wait on him. Makes us trust him and believe him. We can finish by saying that Mary could have also pondered the ways that she might respond, right? How do you respond to this praising God, obedience to the Lord, faithfulness in her own walk? Connecting it with other truths. What does this news say about uh, nature, the nature of God, the Trinity? What does this reveal about men and angels? What does this news reveal about the expectations she should have now? And all of these questions are, of course, uh, except for maybe the very, very specific ones, are questions that we can ask as well. Almost everything that I've said are things that we can ponder, that we can treasure, and certainly we ought to. And that's my encouragement to you. As you come into the new year, as you have just heard, perhaps again to the praise and glory of God, the best news that you have ever heard and will ever hear. As you come into the new year, consider pondering in 2023 as many days as the Lord gives you, consider, consider treasuring and pondering his word a lot. Instead of fighting against it or neglecting it, treasure it, hold it close, read it, consider it. Start by giving your heart to the Lord, devoting yourself to him and knowing and believing what he says is true. Let this news be like a light that just shines on everything in your life, has implications for every area and every aspect of everything you do. 
every worry, every anxiety, every hope, every dream. Give it all to him. And then protect that treasure from the doubt and from lies by making use of that promise. And by hearing it and reminding of yourself over and over again. Start with Sundays. Start with Sundays. Let your life grow on the trellis of hearing God's word over and over again. Come, ready, eager to hear, to enjoy the fellowship with others, to be encouraged by that word and his work. And let your, not just your weeks begin this way, but your days as well. From the moment you open your eyes, just spend five seconds giving acknowledgement to the Lord. Boom. Good morning, Lord. Let him be at the center of everything. Treasure that word. Treasure being with him. Spend time daily acknowledging him, hearing and reading his word, meditating on it, praying on it. And as you do these things, it will result in what we see with the shepherds, the glorifying and praising of God. When God comes and brings this news into our heart, when he changes our hearts and makes them alive for him, it makes us new people. We glorify him, we praise him, we live for him. May this be true of us as he reveals his word in our lives, this good news of great joy about Jesus, our Savior. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we ask that you would give to us this word over and over and over again. This world is often cruel and deceptive. It, it uh, lures us in with all kinds of bait, which we are often ready to receive according to our flesh. We ask that you would protect us from this by giving to us your means of grace, particularly the word of God. Lord, we ask that your word would come to us and that it would come to us with the authority of the, of the Spirit who would work in our lives and change us so that we might treasure and ponder and consider. And as we consider these things, as we consider what your word means for our understanding of you, what your word means for our understanding of ourselves, our world, our plans, our hopes, our fears. We ask that you would help us to commit ourselves to be solely devoted to you above all things. We ask that you would give us, uh, that you would take away the fleshly nature and the hearts of stone and give us hearts of flesh that we might live uh, for you, glorifying you and enjoying you now and forever. Thank you, Lord, for the revelation of this word. Thank you for delivering it again to us today that we might proclaim with all those who have gone before us that Jesus Christ is the Lord. We pray this in his name. Amen.